so much both for coming in today. This is a really cool episode because it's the first joint episode we've done. So that's Yay. that's exciting. I'm excited to see if that kind of yeah how that works really. So so let's get into it. But I mean, obviously, the reason for inviting you on um, was you've got an incredible story. Uh, it's incredibly inspiring. I remember when I first started reading it through LinkedIn and then obviously dropped you a message to learn a little bit more. I just thought that is so cool. So yeah, thank you so much for being here today. And if it's all right, take us back to the beginning and, and what is that story? Yeah, great. Thanks, Leo. So I'm Francesca and um, I basically am a bit of a workaholic, self, uh, self-diagnosed workaholic. Um, I'm just passionate about making a difference and about learning new things. So that takes me originally down a creative route, originally studies of graphic design. Um, but really, amongst all of that, it was about creative thinking, looking at the world and thinking, how can we make change? How can we improve lives? And just an innate passion for helping others. That doesn't always help me, but we can come, we can kind of circle back to that. And since then, I've just grown, um, progressed my career there are some basic founding principles um, that are true to me always in, you know, harnessing the power of network, my ability and passion for learning and just for personal growth. And that's taken me on a career path that brings me today to Dream Factory and why we're all here. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I mean, that's a perfect segue for a little bit of context on why I really wanted to chat to you is, you know, as I said to you before, the, the consistent kind of theme I hear from my female clients that are also mums is that they really put themselves at you know the bottom bottom of the peck in order in terms of prioritizing anything um just coming to the gym once a week for their own workout is often a massive change and a massive you know um thing that they have to kind of like you know really come to terms with doing like oh my god I'm prioritizing one workout a week for myself so the fact that you've said there around that like self-development and you've kind of got these set of principles that have guided you from a career perspective I'm really excited to hear more about that because that I think will hopefully be really inspirational for a lot of women listening that are like okay I'm a mum of course that is the most important thing and I need to prioritize that but maybe I'm pouring a little bit from an empty cup here and I need to be doing a few more things for myself as well so yeah I'm excited to hear more about that yeah thanks Leo is it the most important thing no I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> and the podcast well, episode would, just did a complete you yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah I mean you've got to look after yourself right you've got to look after number one and I just think it's timing right and support so yes I am a mum I also have a neurodiverse son so that also adds additional challenges but like anybody at any point in their life there's always going to be other things other than a career that you might be focused on whether that's looking after elderly relatives or you have pets or you just want to prioritize your friends or you know whoever it is do community activities volunteer for a charity there are so many things that can occupy our time it always comes back to um for me efficiency so how can i do all of these things so for me that's managing my energy managing my time um and what how can i ask for support with all of that you know nobody is superhuman as much as i would love to be a superhero as much as i would love to be wonder woman um you are kind of Thanks. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take, take it, it, Karen. Take <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, we've all had those days, me included, where you grab the cereal and you eat it from the box or you just want to scream into a pillow and or do scream into a pillow um, or just open that bottle of Sauvignon Blanc. You know, these days, these days are just part and parcel of personally of my experience in my life. And um, 
they're all part of growth because I think in those moments that's when you grow the most yeah no for sure and what's the, the background story between you two because I didn't actually ask that before we started how, how do you two first know each other and <laughs> this is friends? such a good story oh, go for it? it Karen <laughs> I don't know I mean we were working at a, a it was a trading company wasn't it where I was a temp I yeah. come in about, I don't know, 15 years ago, possibly something like that. And I was working on a floor of traders and Fran was working. You were working in the events team. Yeah, we were throwing all the parties. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> we were the people to know on the trading floor. <laughs> this is pre-bribery act, by the way. So it was yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <and> <laughs> Shouldn't say that. <laughs> we were just... I know, yeah, exactly. You can edit that. We were just a few... Just a few women, actually. There were hundreds of men on this floor. Oh, my God. We never had to queue for the bathroom. I think we had a toilet each. I think we did. It was great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we've known each other for just a small amount of time, probably a few months. And we lost touch for years. And my husband was working in... um, in a particular area where he bumped into Fran and was interviewing you. Um, and I was watching Fran on a, on a video and I, I said, I said, Lee, I, I recognise her. That's Fran. I, I hadn't seen her for years. And, and so um, my husband introduced us, reintroduced us after so many years and we've, we've got back together and yeah, we're back. We're just back in touch all the time now. Oh, so it, it's fantastic. Yeah, this is also really amazing because in my own mind, I always like to believe in my intuition. But I remember meeting you, Karen, so clearly. And it was years ago now. And I just remember being like, I'm going to do something with this lady. I want to stay in touch. And I remember after you left, trying to reach out and failing to get in touch with you. Really so the fact that we managed to come back and find each other through the most unlikely of scenarios right and on this day when I was running to a panel on the British Library it was an entrepreneurship panel and it was raining and I remember literally sheltering in a bus stop in Tottenham Hell thinking it was one of those days when I was like should I just get the tube back home because I just don't even know why I'm doing it. I don't know what I'm going to say when I'm going to get there and I was like no just go this is like this is my basic philosophy around life and it doesn't always work out for me by the way this principle of saying yes to everything I'm actively now trying to say no to more things but I did get there soaking wet slightly slightly damp squid um and did that panel and then the fact that your husband unbeknown to me was recording it and that you actually watched back what he recorded and recognized me is yeah it was meant to be meant to be i was so surprised and i i just yeah i remembered you really clearly and i just thought we have to get back in contact so yeah. funny, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. Karen is the most <laughs> wonderful nutritionist, and I'd you know love for Karen to explain a bit more about your skills and expertise and what you can bring to the listeners because it's vitally important. But I always recognised your passion, and really, it's a shared passion for health and nutrition and wellness and energy management, and how we can all be better in our own selves and all achieve more through some really basic founding principles um, in life, whether that's you know sleep, diet, nutrition. Um, so yeah, Karen, we'd love to hear a bit more about your expertise. Fantastic. Well, thank you. My name is Karen Mannion. I go by the health creator online and um, I've been a nutritionist for about seven years now. Um, but I am actually a qualified personal trainer, actually, uh, many, many years ago. I don't do that anymore, but it's useful to know. But I, I know that the industry has moved on. Um, but as a nutritioner, I'm also a uh, qualified um, NLP practitioner. So NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. 
And that's a form of therapy that looks at how the structure of our thinking actually helps or hinders us. So looking at the structure of our thinking, so it's really, really useful for things like emotional eating, which many of us women do. I know I sometimes do. Um, and uh, combining our mindset, uh, the mindset work with nutrition, I find is a really, really um, useful way uh, for me to help my clients so I generally tend to work with women uh, helping them to uh, supporting them, them with their hormone health um, and I've, as I said to you before Leo the premise of the work that I do is um, really around the idea having worked with so many women now I kind of realized that many of us uh, live in a com uh, in a culture we're kind of we're kind of driven by this idea that health is about um, being on a diet and so um, I really just teach women a very simple set of uh, principles to help them really understand that health is a set of skills that none of us are taught at school. So we might do a bit of PE. Uh, we might do a bit of home economics. You know, you, you cook a few meals and, and you're off sent off into the big wide world to try to be healthy, but you don't have the skills. Uh, we don't have the skills. We don't know how to manage our mindset, how to manage our thinking when we're stressed. Our go-to is normally um, food. And it's usually the types of foods that are going to dysregulate our hormones. And so we're out in the, in the big wide world and Sometimes, I mean, I've worked with women who are in their 20s and already they're, they've got uh, dysregulated hormones. They've got conditions such as PCOS or fibroids or endometriosis. So it's really about helping women to understand that health is a set of skills. It takes time like anything else. And to take their time, learn these skills. And once you learn what you learn you can't unlearn you can't unsee what your own unique physiology is all about because I teach women to um, learn to you know at a very basic level learn to take their blood sugar levels so you know that very often is something that gets dysregulated very quickly because of the types of diets we're on which is lots of ultra processed foods hey it's Leo here just very quickly interrupting this podcast episode to share with you a really exciting announcement the Nexus team are now available to take on new one-on-one -on -one online nutrition clients. So if you're interested in working with myself or anyone on the team for your nutrition, health or body composition based goals, then follow the link in the show notes and you can see all of the information on what that might look like to work with us. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I think I, when you kind of messaged me your approach to health and fitness, I was like, sounds brilliant, very much on the same page. And yeah, I, that sounds amazing. So what's kind of the background there on how, how you got into that and how has that kind of shaped your approach to working with female clients now? Yeah, well, um, I am probably the oldest in the room. Um, I know that you're very young, but uh, back in my day, we didn't have tech, we didn't have apps to be able to track our uh, periods. So I um, have had my own very difficult uh, hormonal health challenges um, which ended a couple of years ago um, uh, in me having I'd had fibroids um, which are growths in the uterus um, they had been taken out once about 12 years ago and then I had them again they came back um, which again is something that you're not told when you do get these um, um, benign tumours removed. Uh, they came back and they came back with a vengeance. So they came back during COVID. Um, and we since now know that there is some research to suggest that actually oestrogen um, is a very supportive hormone when it comes to, in, uh, to the, the COVID infection. So I had this huge surge of oestrogen. I was going through the perimenopause and my um, fibroids just came back with a vengeance. Um, and I 
I also developed another condition and I ended up having to have a hysterectomy. And um, I, looking back now, I realised that my um, ability to manage my hormone health was, you know, zilch really I just didn't understand that you know looking at my physiology um I am a woman of color so we are far uh, up to five times more likely than my Caucasian lovely cousins you there um of getting things like type 2 diabetes and actually dysregulated blood sugar really does contribute to um conditions such as PCOS, fibroids, um, endometriosis. And this is just not something that I realised. So actually managing blood sugar is a very important aspect of our hormone health. Um, and so just having had that experience, I just thought I need, a, a, lo a lot of the women that I work with just don't know any of this stuff. And it's like, I need to get this message out. We need to know how to manage our hormones so that by the time we get to the perimenopause and the menopause, we are going to sail through. Yeah. We don't want to mm. be struggling. We don't really want to be having these problems. We don't want to get to that point um, with pre-existing conditions, which is the problem that uh, often happens. We don't want to get to the point uh, coming into the perimenopause menopause with an existing condition, which then makes our journey, that transition, a lot more challenging. Yeah. So, um, so uh, you know, I'm just turning that experience that I, ha I had into a positive, and I just want to, I just want to help as many women as possible, just not make that mistake that I did. Yeah, I love that. I think what I really love about your approach is obviously you've got the NLP where, you know, addressing the mindset side of things, but also obviously those, you know, internal systems in the body as well. I was definitely guilty of going through a phase of like, we call them like protocols in the fitness industry, right? So, you know, someone comes to you, they've got endometriosis and obviously there's like layers to that, right? And it's like, okay, first we need to address this. It might be blood sugar, compromised immune system, whatever. And I was getting really great results with a lot of clients, but only the ones that had the prerequisites to change. And not everyone obviously has, you know, how they see themselves from an identity standpoint, they're self-sabotaging, they don't feel worthy of change. There's all that stuff there to unpack. And I was like, why do I know this much, but I'm only getting results with like half of my clients. So I absolutely mm. love kind of the NLP component and, um, you know, how you're bringing that to your coaching practice is amazing. And I'd, I'd love to, to get into that. I've got so many questions from all of that. <laughs> um, do you know the origins of the word hysterectomy? Uh, I think I'm thinking of the word hysteria. Yeah. Um, and um, also the moon comes to mind. Why does that come to mind? But anyway, hysteria and hysterical. So yeah, partly. That was uh, the diagnosis. Yes. And the treatment wow. was a hysteria. Yeah, I just learned something. Which is hor yeah. horrendous, really. And, mm. and women were put in, I do think that women were put into um, kind of madhouses, but what they yeah. called that back in the time, um, if they were having struggles with their emotions, you yeah. know, due to hormonal dysregulation, yeah. which is crazy, right? Yeah. So yeah, if you were diagnosed with hysteria, the treatment is a hysterectomy. <laughs> That's so it's a wow. Latin Latin Greek word, and I don't remember which half belongs to which actually. So it's not a complete we story. Haven't had it but easy, have we? No, not really. Not really. No. And we've still got a way to go, I think. Yeah, and it's fascinating what you were saying though about the diet and nutrition element and this is something that I always feel quite passionate about particularly around processed foods is I think that we've lived through a really interesting era mm. particularly in the last 30-40 years where processed foods have become a thing and almost now there's a bit of a revolt against that innovation and that development as people recognise the impact that all of these uh, like added ingredients are having on our bodies. My grandfather used to actually analyse um, fizzy drinks the chemicals in fizzy drinks in the lab in outside Bristol and obviously I was quite young at the time so I didn't really understand what he was talking about but he used to go absolutely ballistic when there was any can of drink that had aspartame anywhere in the house 
and he would completely ban it. And this was at least 30, 25, 30 years ago. And now we're, and it's taken that long, really, for it to become more widely known about the negative impacts of these chemicals in our food and drink. And then subsequently, I've now had a child with ADHD and autism and more are more in tune to that whole landscape of what do these foods, what do these drinks do to us? How do they impact our bodies and how do they impact our behaviour? And seeing the research and the studies and the links between, you know, things as basic as sugar yeah, and then behavioural issues in children. And it just, it's almost seeming cruel now that we do live in a world and it's actually quite hard to avoid it as a parent. You know, if you go to a kid's birthday party, you know, I'm not the type of person to be like, no, 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 darling, don't have that, you know, have an apple I kind of want them to find their own way amongst life, but it, it, it's not easy. I'll, I'll, I'll be completely honest. Well, I agree. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not a mother, but um, one thing I have got a lot of godchildren, mm. and um, one thing that I'm aware of is that I, I don't understand how mothers can not give their children uh, or, or not expose them to the sugary foods because it's part of our culture. You know, and it, what I find very interesting is that, um, you know, women in general will will ask me, well, what can I, what can I have? What in this packet is okay? You know, let's have a look at the back of the packet, and it's like, no, the stuff in the packet is not okay. You know, eating the fruits and the vegetables, that's that's normal, but mm. very often people say, oh, I've been really good. I've eaten an apple, and it's like, no, that's normal. It's the stuff <laughs> in the packets that's not good for you. You know, and and take it out, but it's it's it's. You know, it's in coloured packets, so the kids are attracted to it. Mm. It's, you know, sweet. Every, you know, lots of kids enjoy sweet foods. It's everywhere. Um, it's just part of the culture. Try. It, it feels like it must be such a difficult uh, fight to try to keep it out of your, you know, your children's lives. Because yeah. when you go to parties, you know, the cakes, I've, I've, you know, been to a few parties and things, and the cakes and the sweets and the biscuits are just everywhere, right? Yeah, they, they are just everywhere. And, you know, it's just that educational piece. And it, one of the things that kind of grates on me a little bit is really how complex society has made the wellness industry. So I think it's really difficult if you, if for example, you're looking at, as a complete novice as to how do you change your lifestyle, your diet, you could be presented with any one of a million options right from like oh you should go on a keto diet or maybe you should do uh, the five two or maybe you should do eat right for your blood type or mm. and and actually for me personally I've been on a journey from about for 20 years of like experimenting with all of these fads and come to a point in my life now where I realize that the easiest thing to do is wherever possible is to avoid processed food mm-hmm. so I'll eat anything within reason as long as it's not been processed. Uh, but it's 80-20, right? Because you cannot avoid this stuff. Like, and, no. and even if you go to some of the retailers, I'm not going to name names, but the ones that market themselves as healthy fast food, if you actually look at things like the bread, you'll see all of the list of ingredients and it's not natural. You know, bread should just be flour, yeast, water, um, you know, possibly a little bit of sugar. It shouldn't be much more than that. But actually, it's quite hard if you're out and about and you have a busy life to go and find stuff that's natural. Um, I think the French have nailed it. I hate to say that. 
I mean, there's nothing bad. No, I'm not saying anything bad, but I think they've nailed it. You know, you, you, you're in France and you would go to a boulangerie and you pick up your bread and it goes off the next day. Mm. Yeah, and they go daily. Yeah, and, and I, I don't think that, you know, culturally they were they adopted the fast food as much as perhaps we did in Britain. I don't know why that is. Maybe that's an interesting story for another day. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Traditional foods mm. in Britain. I was just thinking fish and chips. <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> which Fried Mars bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is wild, isn't it? How when you try and eat a whole foods diet, people are like, why are you dieting? And it's like, just this should just be the default norm, right? Yeah. yeah. People look at that and go, oh, well, you must be on a diet. And it's like, I'm just trying to eat a whole foods minimal processed diet here. And you're and you're frowned upon, aren't you, for eating well? And I think I think you know it comes back to this whole mindset of understanding that health is a set of skills. So you know when you get up in the morning, you know you, you've got to think about what do you want. So having had this experience, and I think to myself, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm relatively young. You know, I'm I'm a bit older now, but relatively young. What do what I say to my clients? What do you want? You know, you're this age now. You've got these children you've got this lifestyle you're going to get to 60 70 or 80 years old how do you want to get there rattling around with a load of pills inside of you or do you want to be healthy and fit what is your why you know you've got to go deep and get people to really start to think about why they want health because many people don't actually think about health as a value you know we all know about money we all know that we want a load of money we might want to go on holiday we save a certain amount of money and we go on our holiday we achieve that goal but health is something that you can't often see <laughs> it's often something you can't see it's it, you know it's not tangible you know sometimes you can only understand what help what's going on with your health because you can see some blood tests so you know if you're looking at um, you have to delve deep into your physiology you've got to get some blood tests somebody might say oh you've got some you know your your cholesterol's high or your vitamin d levels are low and it's not until you're told that something's gone wrong that you know because very often health is uh, is about a set of things that you can't see you know maybe you feel good or perhaps um you know you've got lots of energy and that's your only way of knowing but we all kind of walking around the earth feeling quite tired and accepting that that's our norm, you know. So it's really about setting ourselves some internal goals from our um, mindset to allow us to recognise, OK, I'm doing this. I'm going to have this um, this short term uh, or long term benefit um, and I'm going to withhold. I'm not going to eat this kind of food because I want, you know, what's coming in my future, which is health and fitness and to be able to get up. Um, at 60 or 70 years of age and, and walk around with ease and freedom and, and, and no medication. You know, we, we're not thinking that far ahead. That's the goal. Yeah. When you say health is a set of skills, which I love, yes. what do you kind of mean by that? And why is it useful for people to view it in that way? So I think we've got to think about our nutrition, um, which nutrition in and of itself, I think knowing how to um, eat for your physiology is a set of goals in itself. So I think, you know, uh, we're all different. So for instance, myself, um, I have a physiology that's not very good at detoxification. Now, I've, I know that because I've done some DNA testing. I'm, you know, I, I've got a, um, uh, a, a lecturer, an old friend lecturer of mine who helped me to discover that for myself because I was really struggling when I had fibroids. I couldn't understand why was I, why was I struggling so much? And I just was really delving deep into understanding my physiology. So I now understand that um, even though I've had a hysterectomy, it doesn't mean that 
all is well, it still does mean that I'm in danger because I need to make sure that my detoxification pathways, and you know, that simply means being able to actually get rid of toxins and spent estrogens. I have to make sure that I can do that well. And in order for me to do that well, I have to eat lots of fiber. I have to eat foods that support detoxification, lots of protein, garlic, onions, um, beetroot, you know, all of these types of foods that are going to help me to detoxify. That's something that I've had to learn. But with my clients, I don't get them to do a DNA test, for instance. If they've got something like fibroids or endometriosis, I just assume that they need a lot of detoxification support. So, you know, and that's their that's their body, that's their physiology. So they will need to start to think about their diet from that perspective. So they will need to start to understand that detoxification is a very important aspect of their health. So the skill is learning and creating a repertoire of meals that are going to help support that those pathways throughout their whole life because they've got this body for the whole life, right? And they don't want it to go wrong in any way. So learn about the foods that support your unique physiology. So uh, partly it's about understanding your body um, and understanding what kinds of foods are going to support the health of your body. It's also about understanding your mindset. You know, are you somebody who um, is a bit of a worrier? You know, do you need to uh, take on certain um, activities to help you regulate your emotions, to calm you down? So are you somebody that needs to perhaps do a little bit of 15 minutes of relaxation or, you know, journaling in the morning to help you um, set your day straight and to to move through the day with a regulated nervous system and uh, from a place of calm so that you can go through your day and you know you're not being triggered all the while you know there are lots of everybody is different and depending on what a client will come to me with we'll set up a set of um, goals and um, skills that they are going to have to learn across the course of the time that we work together um, and really, I think from, you know, just to sum it up, um, it's about understanding that stress, managing stress is a really, really important part of developing a set of skills that are going to set you up for life and also managing how you eat. So your diet based on who you are. So, for instance, myself, you know, being a woman of colour, you know, type 2 diabetes, it could be a problem. Um, not having enough vitamin D in my system could be a problem. But then that is the same with you know, if you're white, because we're in a country where we don't actually get that much sunshine. So we're in October now. There's no more. You're not going to be making any more vitamin D through your skin. Have you got enough? And it's funny, I was speaking to a lady yesterday who doesn't actually absorb vitamin D very well. And um, she needs to know how much vitamin D she's got in her system because she's got six months between October and uh, April where you're not making any through the, the sunshine. So you're going to have to supplement and you're going to possibly have to do that throughout the whole of your life. But you need to set some, have a have an understanding of where are you now. So take some blood tests, know where you are, and supplement accordingly. Mm. I'm going off on a tangent here. This is no, <laughs> but this is why I could speak to Karen all day, and this is why I I love always chatting to you as a friend, but also just kind of harnessing your knowledge. I think over the last 25 years of experiments. Uh, really you know since I was about 15 and I took a, a real interest in in um where I was at personally and my wellness and the effect that that had on me is taking the view that it, it's taken me that long right it's taken me say 20 odd years to realize how intuitive we are mm. and I think if you really listen to your body if you really 
kind of acknowledge that you do know what you need and I love that you said that everybody is a different person right and everybody needs different things because I do know that for example for me personally I have tried things like keto diets and because I do a lot of exercise a lot of cardio a lot of running I cannot cope on it on a low carb diet I actively know that my body needs more carbohydrates because I'm I'm running and things like that um and because I'm just really moody (laughs) really moody you don't want to be in a room with me if I've not had a sandwich (laughs) (laughs) it's it's kind of that I've I've worked that out through trial and error Mm. right but I it just takes me back to the fact that you are more intuitive than potentially yeah you allow yourself to believe um, and, and likewise, little things like I often prefer to have breakfast. So there's a lot of research out there that, that says really great things about these long fasting periods of 16 to 18 hours. Sometimes that works for me. Sometimes that doesn't. It depends on the day and what I'm trying to achieve and what my schedule is. And if I've been up since 5 a.m., then that that sometimes is too much to think that I'd go until like midday without eating anything. Absolutely. So So I do love that premise that everybody's different. Yeah. And just, you know, finding about finding what works for you. And often it's probably more simplistic than you know. Yeah. And I also think that it's to do with our life phases. So, mm. you know, when we're in our when we're sort of like premenopausal and we've got lots of wonderful hormones raging through our body, you know, we are different people to who we become when we make that transition into the perimenopause and menopause. You know, you might need to eat differently because estrogen, um, lower levels of estrogen does have an impact on your mood, um, your weight, um, things like brain fog. So you do have to think about adjusting. And it does feel like a, a bit of an identity transition as well. You know, you do have to think about things differently based on where you are in life. So what you were doing perhaps in your 30s may not necessarily work in your 40s and your 50s. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. Which is why it's so important, right, not to attach an identity to your diet. Absolutely. So it becomes so much harder to give that up when it's not serving you, whether it's keto or whether you go into a different life stage and your nutrition requirements change. So it's people that like their Instagram handle is literally how they eat. And it's like, you're going to have a real hard time giving that up <laughs> if, it, if, it, if it doesn't serve you anymore because it's like you've made that part of who you are, which yeah. I've always found that odd when people do that. But um, cause I can't say I've ever attached my identity to a diet type. But people, people people do and that that's as you said there which is perfect like that's then even harder to change that yeah. um something you, you've said earlier and you mentioned it as well earlier kind of like about energy management which i love mm. and you were talking about kind of the autonomic nervous system i'd love to spend a couple of minutes there if that's okay because ultimately regardless of what life stage you're in or what condition you potentially have most people are living in that sympathetic nervous system right they're living in fight or flight which of course has a cascade of problems physically and psychologically so yeah when you said that earlier regarding stress management um yeah tell us a little bit about what is the kind of the autonomic nervous system and and what do you see with your female clients around where they're living in it um so in terms of well i I guess any woman that comes to me generally are in a state of stress. So, um, you know, where that they're, they're, for some reason, you know, it might be their work, it might be ha- trying to juggle too many things in their family, whatever it is. Uh, very often, you know, uh, as an NLP practitioner, I'm looking at somebody's sub, what's going on on the subconscious level. So this is the the, the mindset that people can't see. You know, they're being they're, they're moving and being driven by what's going on from an internal dialogue perspective, but they may not necessarily be uh, connected to what's actually being said. So we quieten, you know, uh, working with what might be going on from a chronic stress perspective, and that's an internal dialogue of chronic stress. So we can have stress that is uh, 
physi- physiological, but it can also have a stress from a kind of a psychological perspective. And that's perhaps having an internal dialogue that just may not be serving you anymore. So I'm uh, just thinking, I'm just trying to think of an example. Um, so probably a few years ago now, I'm just thinking of a particular woman that I had who was just very anxious all the time. She was very, very anxious. And um, we were chatting and I said, I said, I can, I can sense that there's something going on. So we slowed down her thinking and just, it was almost like getting her into a bit of a trance and getting her to quieten her mind and to really start to pay attention to where she was feeling that feeling of anxiety. And she said she's, she'd felt it her whole life. So it felt like it was part of her identity. And so when we started to break it down, we actually looked at her story and what was going on. And we, she then started to talk about what was going on and not even being aware that that's what was going on all, all day long. And so we broke it down and we started to re, um, just rejig that story because she had a set of beliefs that, were, that was running a dialogue that was keeping her very anxious. So it's really about understanding that, you know, um, we can change. You know, the, the thoughts that, we, uh, that are running us you know, we need to be in charge of our thoughts. They can't be running us. Um, so we need to be able to connect with what's going on and recognise that we can change these thinking patterns so that we can actually start to work from a place of tranquility and calm. Because if we're if we've got thoughts that are actually creating a stressful um, mindset, you know, we've got this well-being centre in our brain called the hypothalamus. And if it's kind of like the all sensing, all judging eye, and if it senses that we're stressed, if we're perceiving stress and it's chronic, that can have a big impact on our physiology. You know, it can raise our blood sugar levels, it can raise our cortisol levels, our stress hormone, and that in itself can cause problems. It can cause cardiovascular issues. It can cause, you know, dysregulated um, uh, blood sugar. It can, you know, it can work towards um, dysregulating our hormones um, and contributing to our sex hormone um, dysregulation helping to cause things like fibroids and endometriosis so it's really about um if somebody is stressed um one of the things that i like to do is to understand what is the chronic underlying dialogue that is driving that because it you know that will also be driving a behavior because if they're stressed they'll be reaching for foods that are actually not serving them from a um, a health perspective Does that make sense? (laughs) It makes sense to me, yeah. All I had in my mind, Karen, was a picture of a nice glass of wine. This is good for me every now and then, you know? If the stress is the chronic killer, you know, how far does it go? Because, you know, one thing that I find personally is that it's just sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves for perfection. You know, and if it goes out the window, if we think we're going out the window, then we tend to just fall off a cliff and think that's it forever. Can't get back on it. You know, that whole concept of falling off the wagon right yeah but i but sometimes i just think you know do you know breathe what? a bit more and fran you're absolutely yeah. right we do need you know we we can do everything i think in um in in what's the word moderation in moderation, moderation. exactly there you go. exactly and that's i think how life is meant to be mm. um but we need to be able to take our foot off the pedal so very often somebody might use alcohol every night to um to calm themselves down and that's not a problem unless of course they have a condition yeah so if there's a condition if they're struggling you know especially around the perimenopause and menopause that's where I see a lot of women really turning to drink because things feel so overwhelming you know Mm. perhaps they're kind of like I think it's a sandwich generation they're called where they've got they're looking after kids they're also looking after the elderly parents sandwich generation oh my god (laughs) 
Love it. <laughs> They're no, busy uh, yeah. right in the middle of the sandwich. They're perhaps getting a, a promotion at work. They're learning. They're having to learn all these new things. Life is really stressful. Mm. And the easiest get out is to, you know, you, you grab that glass of wine, right? And then that glass of wine turns into a bottle every night. And if they're struggling with, you know, heavy and painful periods, which often happens during the perimenopause, it's not going to help. You know, and so it really is about that unique person, you know, and some people have a great physiology and they can cope with lots. Actually, sometimes I think, wow, how are you still alive? But, you know, we're all very, very different. You know, we have to it's got to be looking at the individual. And, you know, what I do like to do is actually, you know, get blood tests, at least get a blood test and understand what is happening physiologically, because I think unless you see what's happening, you don't connect it with being you know, with, with having ill health, you've got to understand what's happening for you. So I do, you know, one of the things I think we need to be getting into more is actually just maybe once a year getting a blood test and understanding a little bit about, you know, what of our, what's our cholesterol doing? What's our liver doing? What's all that wine doing to our liver? And do <laughs> I do know? this privately? You can do it privately, yeah. So there's a lab that I often tend to use, yeah. you, you know, it's, it's online, it's called Medichex, um, but there is a lot of labs out there, you know, because I think the NHS is struggling at the moment. So if you did go and ask for a comprehensive blood test... Yeah, you're not getting it. You're not yeah. going to get it. No. So, you know, and it, yeah. you're looking at between, I don't know, £99 to a couple of hundred quid, depending on what you're looking for. But it's it's a small price to pay when you're thinking about building health into your toolbox of life. Yeah. It's not something I would have ever thought of. And I am big into health and wellness. Yeah. I would not have thought of going for a blood test. You have a little look under, you know, you get your car MOT'd once a year, have a look under the hood. Mm. Like, why would you yes. not do that internally? And a great example, I've got a, a female client and she, the, the nice thing about bloods and doing them once a year, she says, I've got a female client and her TSH, so her thyroid stimulating hormone last June was 1.6. So well in range. Mm. And all of these symptoms, all of these health issues are occurring. She's probably got endometriosis, um, but just hasn't been able to get the, the keel surgery to check. She's had it retested and it's 0.62, which I believe is like 0.2 still technically in a healthy range. Different doctor that's done these tests. And they're like, everything's fine. Everything's in range. And she's like, well, because I had them done 12 months ago, I can see that actually my TSH is halved. So whilst I'm still technically in range by 0.2, actually, if I was to do it again in three months time, six months time, I'm probably going to be out of range. So obviously bloods are just a snapshot in time. It doesn't tell you obviously mm. on that um, mm. slide and scale other than HbA1c. It doesn't tell you on a slide and scale where obviously that marker has been over time. So by doing them once a year, you can often see these markers get worse and they're about to go out of range before actually waiting until they are, which when you get to a certain age or if you've got certain health conditions or you are experiencing symptoms is yet super super valuable to once a year have a have a full comprehensive panel done yeah med- i use medichex too yeah. vitamin d is like 39 pound i think yes. it's yeah, not yeah. expensive going back to your point earlier <laughs> yeah so that's well worth it because i mean you can save 39 pound by not doing an excessive vitamin d supplement by not using more if you need so you can potentially make your money mm. back there because i see so many people supplementing with such large amounts of vitamin d yes. throughout the winter yeah. probably more than they need so um yeah that's a great one or yeah cmp comprehensive metabolic panels like 150 on medichex isn't it so those. Yeah, yeah. it's not yeah. not crazy few, not crazy yeah. money so um it's yeah. just that we, we don't have that mindset, do we? We, mm. we? we rely, I think, on the NHS. We rely on getting things yeah. for free. And I think we don't have this understanding that um, we need to set aside a bit of a, a budget for ourselves to, yeah, to get these tests and to start to learn to understand. You know, and, and I quite like the idea that you say, you know, getting a test once a year. And let's just say you've got it, you know, you, you're building up your, your profile and an yeah. understanding. So over the course of maybe 10, 15 years, you can see, ah, oh, yeah. Okay, this is who I am, and actually, those levels are perhaps 
slightly elevated, but that's okay for me and my physiology. You know, yeah. so it's about building a profile of who you are over the course mm. of years, you know. So it's about getting to know you on a different level. Yeah. Um, but I think um, culturally, we just think we're just going to get every, everything for free on the NHS. And we need to s- now start to think, I've got to start to put some money aside to look at, you know, look after my health and to really um, take responsibility for it. Yeah, exactly that. I think that culturally, definitely, that's part of the problem is people think, okay, my GP doesn't recommend it, it doesn't need doing. Yeah. But that's changing since COVID, which is called it's more home kit tests. Have you heard of fertility? No, I haven't. Hertility, you're coming amazing. up with these, these amazing. You're giving me so many resources, oh, cool. Leo. I'll I'm send you some it. links after. <laughs> Hertility are cool. We can link that in the show notes. Hertility yeah. are amazing. It's kind of like MediChecks, but with a female health spin, essentially. Right. So you're paying for your private tests, but... They, all of their specialists specialise in, in female health. Um, and, you know, that's just one of several companies which are now essentially doing medi-checks, but for a special life condition or diagnosis, which just shows that there is a shift in terms of more people being prepared to take responsibility and, and pay for it themselves as opposed to just relying on the NHS. But, yeah, yeah you put 10 to £15 pound a month aside and yes. do it once a year. It's, that's kind of how I have that conversation with my clients. And as you said, you, you learn over years where your ranges are, which is really yes. valuable because those ranges are, OK, that's an average range, right? But there's a massive lag time between what's you know shown in research to what's then ends up being in medical school to then what is kind of common knowledge and those average ranges are quite broad aren't they and a lot of that is based on people who are sick because they're the people that are going to the doctor so it's like that in itself is not necessarily the best data anyway so learning your trends over time is a great investment and I think a lot of people get bloods done and they're like okay well nothing was really out of range that was a waste Mm. of money and it's like no 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 that's a nice future investment because every year you do that your data about yourself compounds you get a better idea of yourself and your levels and then that's like a future future investment like even if it doesn't show anything up it's not necessarily a waste of money which i think is an important point because a lot of people do bloods once they're like oh everything was in range and it's like well firstly was it or like you know you don't know necessarily those ranges might not be great for you and secondly not necessarily a waste of money it still gives you data that has a compounding value over time about how your body works absolutely and also interesting um leo another thing that's really really good point another thing that you know somebody will be told by um that that their bloods are okay everything's okay they often say oh no i had my blood test done i was told everything was okay but actually sometimes you can look at the ranges and if somebody say for instance vitamin d you know somebody's down at 55 nanomoles per liter that's actually the lower end Mm -hmm. you know you want to be getting up to the you know 75 minimum and so you know if you're being told it's okay you're going into the winter it's not okay because by the time you cut you know you're going through that winter you might struggle with sad you might struggle with low mood so it's really about understanding that you might be within range but if it's at the low end or the high end of specific types of blood actually you're in danger of of either just tipping over the edge and becoming you know um, symptomatic or getting some kind of a diagnosis or you're you know on the on the other end it just depends but you, you know it depends on where in the range you are it's not enough to be told my bloods are okay you know you just need to see where specifically in the range if it's too low or too high you are in danger this is fascinating. This is like my own personal wellness show. <laughs> Talk to me about B12, Leo, Karen, because I, as somebody that does like to manage that energy and focuses relentlessly on how to have the most energy all the time, I've started taking the B12 shots. And I don't know whether it's a placebo effect or whether I want it to work, but I do feel better. Amazing. Can yeah. you take m- too much of it? Should you be doing blood tests? Um, with B12, I... I was, 
it's a water-soluble vitamin, which means that it doesn't get stored in the body. So you have um, your fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K, which can get stored. So, for instance, vitamin D, if you can take too much, you can actually end up feeling quite sick because it gets stored in the liver. Mm. Vitamin B12, actually, I've seen a lot of people take a lot of it and not be impacted, other than when you get a blood test, um, it shows up as coming up really, really high. Um, if it's impacting you and making you feel good, then it's telling us potentially that you may not necessarily have been getting enough before. So mm. that's a useful bit of information for you. Um, vitamin B12 is really, really important for um, for energy, our nervous system, and also making our rub, red blood cells. So um, it's it's just, yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's supporting and helping you with energy, then it's just giving you information about the idea that potentially you may not necessarily be eating enough of it before so you're getting it mainly from animal products and there is this big movement around veganism and people becoming vegetarians and that can be quite a big issue for people because you're not going to get enough of that um of that nutrient and um that can be a problem um I, i can't remember what there's a book that i read many years ago about vitamin b12 deficiency and sometimes actually especially as we get older um, it can be a huge problem not getting enough vitamin B12. I think it is Alzheimer's that potentially um, can be an issue. Um, uh, things like multiple sclerosis as well, not having enough vitamin B12. So it's actually really important, again, going back to this idea that we get our blood tests done regularly to know what our health status is along, you know, ac- across the course of our lives, so at least once a year. Um, so, yeah. It's, this is it's, fascinating. it's probably not a placebo. It probably meant that you probably weren't getting enough before. I actually do prefer a vegetarian diet as well. So I don't like classify myself as vegan or vegetarian per se, but I just naturally prefer, I think these foods suit me better. Yeah. And I have also listened and read a lot of studies that correlate, you know, vegetarian, vegan diets with things like alzheimer's or with ill mental health Um, i'm not an expert in the area so couldn't possibly comment but it's just interesting to hear you pick up on that and just to be aware of these things and how important it is if you are you know like me and don't eat a lot of animal products Mm. to maybe do go and check your bloods and do go and check what you might be deficient in because it might all be creating a further impact on your mood and your overall wellness absolutely and I, and, and the thing is to con- constantly be topping up to mm. not allow yourself to become depleted because that's i think a lot of uh, people think you know we don't think about our diet as something that is really important it keeps us healthy you know we our body is um, reliant on vitamins and minerals to survive to thrive um, and we can very easily become depleted de- becoming depleted in just one um Uh, vitamin or mineral can have a huge impact on us so it's really important to recognize that we're only going to get these nutrients from fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and beans and you know the natural Mm. real whole foods eating the sugary ultra processed foods are going to deplete us they take a lot of energy to process so they're just they're kind of like a they're, they're not doing us any good if we're wanting to try to heal ourselves if we're struggling with things like fatigue, heavy and painful bleeding, brain fog, whatever it is, digestive mm-hmm. issues, we need to use food to get the vitamins and the minerals to support healing and resolve inflammation. So um, I'm just I just go on and on about this, but yeah, it's just I just it's it's just getting this idea and understanding that nutrients come from food and that's it and 
yeah, that's what we need to think about. And yes, everything in moderation. But if there's an issue, if there are symptoms, you've got to get curious and start to start digging deep to find out, well, how can I rectify and resolve this situation? Yeah, the bees are extra interesting, aren't they? Because part, I mean, B12 in particular, obviously can't get it from anywhere other than animal products. But there's two really interesting considerations with B vitamins. I think especially for females, the birth control pill depletes B vitamins. Um, so you've often mm. got girls that have been on birth control since, you know, they were a teenager. That depletes mm. your B vitamins. You've potentially got this rising trend in being vegetarian, eating less meat. You know, it's for the planet and that's a whole separate conversation, but mm. probably getting in less bees as a result of that. You know, the pill, correlational causation, potentially linked to depression. Again, that's a different conversation, but there is a correlation between women being on birth control more likely to be on antidepressants. As antidepressants can also deplete B vitamins, you potentially now start getting issues with your skin. So a lot of these girls mm. are also on relaxatan or other drugs for their skin, mm. also depletes B vitamins. And then these are drugs which are, you know, people are on for a long period of time typically. So you've now got this combination of, um, you know, not maybe eating that many animal products, a bunch of drugs which deplete the B vitamins and you end up with a very chronic deficiency over a long period of time. And you then throw in diet culture and, you know, you mentioned earlier, use Chronometer, which is an amazing yes. bit of software. I'll put the link in the show notes. Shit's all over my fitness pal. So much better. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. Great, great, great tracking software. And, you know, if you do the maths on that, as you would have looked at as well, like any less than 1900-ish calories, it doesn't matter how whole food your diet is, you're not getting in all of your vitamins and, and, and minerals. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about whole foods, super important, like we need to have that conversation, but we also need to be talking about you know diet culture and calorie deficits and weight loss goals and the implications there because you can eat the best whole foods diet in the world if you're on 1500 calories per day, which might not be unrealistic for a short period of time if you have a weight loss goal for some women, if they're smaller and sedentary, that might not necessarily be that low of a number. But by default, you can't not create micronutrient deficiencies right because it's just you're not getting in enough food volume to get everything in so you throw in kind of diet culture to that situation we just described which is really common for a lot of women you throw in if it fits your macros if you've heard of that term you know the concept of flexible dieting you can track whatever which, you know, it's probably cool that's probably helped a lot of people's relationship with food to not be that on-off mindset we spoke about which is amazing again different conversation but you've now got a lot of people that are dieting on 15 1600 calories they're, spe they're spending two 300 of them on a Snickers mm. so we're even more micronutrient mm. deficient um, and you just layer all of those things in over 5 10 15 years and with the, with any micronutrient but the B vitamins in particular you end up with well, it's a bit of a bit of a shit storm isn't it yeah, um, and absolutely. you've got all of those considerations and not surprised that yeah often people will IM or IV or whatever or even just a supplement you know they'll start feeling they'll start feeling a lot better and they go oh, but I eat healthy and it's like well what medications are you on that deplete this what do you mean by healthy is healthy right for you are there food groups that you avoid um I, what calorie intake are you on you know there's a lot of considerations there that we need to appreciate if we're talking about potential deficiencies there's a gene mutation as well which will affect your ability to make b vitamins active i actually have it um oh. and i so yeah uh, you can you know the, the process of making b vitamins active methylation a lot of people don't do that very well so a lot of people have this gene mutation and then they, they take iv or im b vitamins mm -hmm. oh, i feel a lot better so that's an another potential layer to that so yeah you know as you keep saying it does come back to knowing you know what's right for you and you need to that's a skill isn't it to learn what yeah. works for me and my physiology and it's it takes a little bit of time there's a time investment isn't there but ultimately as you've said you you've lived with your body for the rest of your yeah. life so it's probably a worthwhile use of some time to invest in learning kind of how that works for you I particularly like what you said about this idea that, um, you know, if somebody's on a calorie deficit and then they use perhaps two or three hundred calories to eat a snicker. 
you know, it's this idea that we can cheat or we can have cheat days. You know, mm. if you're trying to achieve a goal, just learn the skills and just chuck, you know, work on one of the skills just needs to be just getting rid of these types of foods because they're not doing you any good. You know, I'm not saying, of course, it's, it's difficult to eliminate fully, but, you know, mm. they shouldn't really be, you shouldn't be really focusing or tr- focusing on, right, okay, if I don't eat that, then I can have this Snickers bar. You know, it's just mm. like, let's just try and eliminate this out of our diet completely. Work on that as a skill. Now, of course, yeah, we are going to have the old glass of wine or so on and so mm. forth. But again, it is about your health status. You know, if you're trying to achieve a goal, an outcome, focus on that and do everything that you can to achieve that. And if you feel like you want to come back to that crap, you know, you might not want to after having spent a lot of time building mm. your health. But again, it, it is, you know, depending on your health status. But I I, I really, yeah, I, mm. that resonated for me because people do talk a lot about cheating. And it's like, well, what do you want? Do you want health or, you know, do you want do you want to feel crap? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that beca- yeah, so that's a very complex conversation. We had an amazing eating disorder specialist on the, the, the podcast, a good friend of mine as well, because that's a, it's a whole different conversation, isn't it? Like what you yeah. said earlier, um, you know, regarding your kids, I thought that was really interesting. It's like, you know, you let them have those foods occasionally. And I was thinking, oh, that's really cool because like growing up, my mum was like, no, Sparta, me, no anything, right? But like never, like not your kids' parties, not at your friends' houses, like it was never allowed it. And, you know, I was probably therefore very healthy for 12 years as a result of that. But all that did was then made me, you know, the complete like forbidden apple kind of concept and as soon as i realized that like you could basically just steal from shops and got pocket money it's it's all i did because it was like it was this thing that i was absolutely never allowed and i really carried that with me into like adult life where anytime i went like off on a flight by myself or got the train somewhere by myself when i was like 15 16 it became this habit of like just buying a chocolate bar buying a pack of sweets for in the airport and i was like why why am i doing this like i I didn't get it and then i was like okay it's like this was the equivalent of me when I'm a lot younger, you know, going, like, so I flew to Australia by myself when I was 13 and all of these things. So it was like, oh, I'm not with my mum now, mm. so I can go and do that. Mm. And I really carried that with me in adult life. And it's like those very healthy 12 or so years, I probably really undid with like the unhealthiest, like from, you know, 13 to, to 20. So you've got, you have got to find that balance where you don't screw someone's relationship with food up. And for a lot of people, if it fits your macros and having the occasional Snickers bar factored in, if that is stopping them binge, then overall, that's probably a net positive for their health. But it's, you've mm. got to weigh all of these things up, don't you? Yeah, but that's exactly the reason why I allow the choice. It's because somebody that has also gone through various eating disorders throughout their life and come out the other side is that you know all too well about the challenges from not being able to access stuff. Mm. And it's actually amazing. If you have kids, they're pretty resourceful um, and they're quite intuitive. And if you do give them the choice, like apples are really tasty. I mean, that's probably the most biased thing I could possibly say. But, like, I do offer them the choice of apples or do you want a cookie, but you're going to have your dinner. And, you know, most of the time they will actually pick the apple and I'll cut it up and make it fun and we'll make a fruit platter and we'll make a face out of it. And Mm. there are ways that you can engage. And obviously everybody's personal story is different, right? If you've got a kid with ADHD and autism, that can be the textures and you've got all those other additional challenges to throw in. But it's just trial and error, and you'd be surprised at how much children do actually enjoy some of the more natural things because it's intuitive. I mean, I let my kid have Fanta and then he asks for a packet of Skittles. And I know this is only going one way. When you mix, for some reason, if he mixes his Fanta and his sweets, he's going to be vomiting, literally physically <laughs> vomiting. And he has. And he's done it. And on the fourth time of this happening, he turned around and said, yeah, I don't think I should have Fanta anymore. You know, like, he's learned the hard way. And maybe yeah, I, I sound that. like a horrendous mother for letting him no, have that. But like, 
<laughs> how's also, he going to learn? Also, kudos to you because I think you know they are if they're choosing apples. You know, yeah. you're giving them this choice. You know, you're not making there's nothing off the table. They can try all these things, and they can they're able to make these choices for themselves. Whereas, you know, things that are not allowed can sometimes cause problems. You know, as you say, you, you weren't allowed certain foods. And yeah, it wasn't a choice. Exactly. So giving children choices, yeah. you know, they as you say, they make a, they make the best choice. I did hear a genius story. I mean, maybe this is just verging on child cruelty of a guy that didn't want his child to have coke so before giving them the can filled it with salt like put a big (laughs) spoon of salt in it and it worked they took one sip and they said oh no thanks that's (laughs) brilliant if it works (laughs) but i wonder what that child's going to be like when they finally do find out what coke really does there there will be something when my children grow up and turn around and go mum you know when you did that yeah well that scarred me for life and you'll be like yeah, I think we'll frame that one with not necessarily advice. No, I, d- I don't uh, take anything take, as advice. You know, nothing's advice. Salt, literally, literally a pinch of salt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of my favourite snacks growing up is I absolutely loved an apple, almond butter and cashew nuts. And if it had That's been a brilliant. choice, like as you said, I probably would have just picked that one the majority of the time anyway. Yeah. Because it wasn't a choice. That, that's where the, the rebellion comes in. But yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Oh, it's got, all got reverse psychology. There's a whole new episode for you in reverse psychology there. Yeah. But yeah, one one for another day. Something you said earlier about energy management that I mm. thought was, was really interesting. I'd love to dive into a little bit more is, is how do you manage your energy? Like how do you juggle kind of everything that, you, that you're doing at the moment? You know, you're exercising, you're working, you're a mum. It's difficult, but it's always a partnership. So I have a, the most incredible husband who is so supportive and that I couldn't do what I do without him, right? It's a partnership because we have a family and, you know, we're fortunate enough to be together still. So I think it's, and if you're not together, it's how do you get that support, you know, from family, from friends? You know, we don't have family that are close by, so we can't rely on that. But how do you get that support within your community so that you can just maybe go for a walk or go for a jog or you know and if you if you're talking about being a parent then there are different stages right babies are different to toddlers toddlers are different to children children are different to teenagers so there you will have to evolve your exercise routine around the different stages of life and what works but certainly when we had the babies we were doing yoga with the babies on the mat or just going for a walk in the park with the pram. I love that. Um, or if they're a toddler, then you can just play games where you're just chasing them around and don't <laughs> underestimate how intensive trampolining is. Like, <laughs> It's just not something I should be doing now at my age. But there are things that you can do that sometimes maybe you don't consider as exercise, but it's just general movement. Um, and as probably an ADHD sufferer, I've never had it formally diagnosed I have read articles that actually a natural form of ADHD management is to go for like cardio exercise. Uh, But naturally I found that throughout my life throughout 15. It's just how I dealt with my problems is to be go for a run or for a swim or for a walk. Um, And I know now how important that is for me. And so there are days when my husband is actually kicking me out the house going like, just go for a run, just go for a run because I know you'll be in a better mood when you come back. And I am. It's not always easy, you know, if it's raining or if you're in that bad mood and you don't want to go. And, and and there are those days and I just think either you go to sleep because, you know, sleep is probably underestimated if you're particularly if you are relying on exercise to have to give yourself those rest days. Um, start again the next day, like 
not every day is going to go right. I am intrigued though, Fran, because you do have exceptional, exceptionally high levels of energy. So <laughs> <laughs> you do. You just keep on going sometimes. So what would you put that down to? Would you? Would I've you just put fallen over so many times that I've got experience of picking myself back up again, and that's mm-hmm. kind of metacor- metaphorical more so than it is physic- physically, like an analogy of falling over. But when you when you do hit like rock bottom, when you do experience challenges that you just think, oh, how am I going to recover from this? That the only way is up. Mm. And so one of, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Karen, about the power of psychology and about all of the good stuff that you do with NLP and how much that you can teach yourself mm. through mind control. And it's not easy, right? No, it's not. It's actually on paper. This is what I find fascinating about diet, health, general wellness, energy, is if you to write it down, get eight hours sleep, don't eat processed food, you know, do 20 minutes of exercise a day it's a lot it you know if you just write it down for me I look at that go well that's a nice simple list it's like well how actually then implementing that around everything else in life around a school run around the kids sports clubs around you know work life and nine to fives and commuting how do you fit that in but there will be a way that you can fit it in if it's important to you I think that's the that's the nail on the head yeah if it's important if it's important to you. And I know now that I'm a better person if I fit that in. It is not always easy, but it's important and I know that I'm better for it. But I'm intrigued. I think um, it sounds to me like you've got probably a very efficient uh, way of thinking about things because you do fit a lot in. And I think that does take a, um, a form of organisation in your thinking. Mm, yeah, if you'd ask my husband that question, he would call it stressful timing. Because <laughs> everything's to the minute. You know, he hates travelling with me. He's like, and I'm sat in the airport being like, oh no, because I'm going to now spend money because I'm here like half an hour early. Whereas if I'd been on my timing, I would have just walked to the gate and got on the flight. <laughs> so, but you learn to work out what's right for you right you're using every single minute yeah and there are times when you do miss the train if you run if you run like that and you do always feel like you're always running but mm, for me the wins out outweigh the losses right yeah yeah but again I want to do it yeah and there and, and I'm a sort of person that I say to myself I wish you know there are days where I could just sit down with a cup of tea put the tv on and watch a Netflix series. But that to me is not relaxing. And actually it's a challenge throughout my life that I've been faced with, particularly from people that are close to me, that care about me. Mum, I love you dearly, and she's done an amazing job. But she would be like, why don't we go to a spa and just lie here and relax and breathe and just listen to whale music? There is nothing that <laughs> winds me up more. I remember lying in this spa being like, I could have read an audio book, I could have you know, gone for a little swim. I could, like, then... That, that scenario for me was not relaxing personally. I would have got more relaxation from going for a 30-minute jog than I would lying down listening to well music. It's what works for you, right? As, and it all comes back to everybody's unique way of, um, you know, seeing the world. And yeah. Unique ways in which we relax, you know, Somebody would go and sit in a spa and, and listen to whale music. And that would be person. perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm, not, I'm not by any means dissing the whale music. I'm just saying for me that didn't work. Yeah. And it's about being aware mm. of it as well, isn't it? So it's about being aware of 
what works for you. So if somebody, you know, it, it can't be for somebody else to tell you, oh, go for a walk. Yeah. Because actually it might not work for you. So oh, I've got all stressed and flushed <laughs> thinking about the whale music. I'll have to take a breath. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to know. So I feel like you've obviously like massively downplayed what you have managed to succeed, um, to achieve, sorry. I mean, I'd love to like know that that little story, if that's okay. Like the, you know, the scholarship, the fintech company, if you don't mind sharing for a few minutes, yeah. I think that'd be really interesting. I, and, and, and when I say all of this, everything that I've managed to achieve has been through taking opportunities and that's something that I stay true to so I started my career in graphic design I then worked in-house for a charity I then knew that I loved event management I'd run as part of my live project I developed this uh, Superman run around Hyde Park where I'd got uh, I built a website and I'd got 5,000 runners like wearing underwear, red underwear, pants on the outside, they're running kit, doing a 5k jog around Hyde Park. Figured out in the process, you're not supposed to drive your car around Hyde Park, got in a bit of trouble putting out the comb markets for my 5k race. But anyway, did all this and I like to do live things. That got me my first job. And then from there, I went more into event management and um, again it was just about asking people in the right place at the right time and then when I had my child my first child I remember sitting there thinking I really actually don't want to go to this NCT meetup I really don't want to go out the house because again back to your point you were making earlier about your hormones and your state of mind at that time I didn't feel my best I'd always been somebody that you know put a lot of effort into going to the gym and I that had all gone out the window because I'd had a C-section and, you know, you've got a small child and you've not slept in days. So I didn't want to go. And then I remember explicitly my manager at the time being like, Fran, just go. Just go. We'd gone for a coffee. She said, just go. You never know who you might meet. And I did. I met one of my best friends at that now. And we've been friends for 10 years because our oldest is at, are now 10. And um, with her husband, I actually set up the fintech company. I'd always been a creative coming up with ideas, but I've been thinking, oh, I don't know how I launch my own company because I need to have a salary, I need to have a job. Um, but together, he'd had a similar concept and we'd managed to combine those concepts to build a fintech company. And um, we built that for seven years and that did digital donations for charities called Good Box. You see them in a lot of museums and galleries, places like Science Museum have them. And um, processed towards in about a million pounds in donations every single month. Wow. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Would I would I go back and rewind the clock and build hardware and software? Challenging. But story for another day in terms of entrepreneurship. You just kind of face the challenges one by one as they come. Um, and I learned a whole lot. You know, that's a whole other story about what I learned in terms of entrepreneurship on that journey. Um, and then, but the people that I met were amazing. The experiences that I got were amazing. I kind of knew that I wanted to learn more about the real depths of business through doing that. And I think this is true to a lot of entrepreneurs and people that start businesses is that you are guilty of having a light bulb moment, right? You're guilty about being passionate about something. You're guilty about solving a problem. And then when you come to start to turn that into a successful business, people suddenly think, oh, you must be an expert in accounting, you must be an expert in HR, you must be an expert in finance, um, it, you know, product design, marketing, you name it. And you go, God, jeez, no, I just had an idea. Like, <laughs> is that, that's really where that chief everything officer role comes in. So I applied to the University of Cambridge to do a master's degree in business um, and got the scholarship because I thought, God, how can I afford this programme? And I, I really couldn't. Um, but got the scholarship and then negotiated a bursary because it was still really expensive. Um, and put literally the remaining amount, which was a few grand, because I managed to 
wingle it down on a credit card. And um, it was one of the most enlightening experiences um, and something that I'm really proud of because I met a global network of people. Again, this is back to network. Um, not saying that you have to go and do a master's at Cambridge to get that network. It's just about getting out there, looking about what's going on in your community. What can you access? Who can you meet? And you'd be amazed at how many people are there to support you, whatever your goal is. Not necessarily saying it's building a company, but maybe it's health and fitness, right? Um, there'll be people there that want to help. Yeah. Um, um, and then that led me into, I took a role in VC um, to experience the other side of the table through my network again. Um, and ultimately led me to being here in Dream Factory, where we're content creation houses for founders. So um, that's probably a bit of a long answer to your question, but it kind of, the, the overarching point that I always make is that this is a long trajectory, right? If you go into setting up a business, if you have children, like this is this is not a sprint. I always look at things as to like, the, in the marathon context, as to like, how do you get from like, one day to the next to the next to the next and this is why I don't believe that short-term fixes like fad diets or whatever it might be that or like working excessively or the whole Elon Musk approach of oh I only sleep five hours a day maybe he does I'm not Elon Musk I'm not going to disagree he's achieved a lot right but for me I know I need eight hours sleep I know I need to eat well I know I need to see my friends I know I need to maybe be there for my kids read a storybook these are all things that I've worked out over time and trial and error, right? They're important to me to help me achieve more. So it's interesting that you were attaching health to the goals that you want to achieve for yourself. Health is the foundation for everything. Absolutely. It's, it, it, you can't do it without, and everyone knows that it's coming into flu season. <laughs> How when you recover, that moment you recover, you have to stop blowing your nose or stop feeling horrendous. You, it's in that moment that you really value your health, right? Because you forget. It's easy to forget when you're well. Take it for granted yeah. how vitally important that is for you to function. So for me, going back to, you know, I've learned a lot of interesting things on this podcast from getting like blood tests done or analysing your physiology is prevention is better than cure. So the more that if I was to be an advocate for anything, um, it's not to say that I didn't work hard. Of course, I did work hard, but I wanted to work hard. And this is and what I've achieved is the outcome of doing the hard work, but also from looking after myself and the people around me that will support me to achieve those goals. What gave you the courage to put, like max out a few credit cards for a few thousand pound and do the, the masters at Cambridge despite having one child at the time? Or? <laughs> Yeah, my husband didn't like it very much. <laughs> um, so even even more courage needed. Well, when you have nothing, there's nothing that people can take from you. So if you can, and you know, we are fortunate living in the UK. We, you know, as a society, the the support that we get from the likes of the NHS system, the state schooling system that we get access to, it's pretty good, right? And um. I only know what I know because I've only experienced what I've experienced. But from my early years, I, I, you know, I grew up in a really lovely, warm, caring family. Unfortunately, I, I lost my father at 15. He died suddenly of a heart attack. There's probably no reason, uh, you know, there's no secret as to why I think health is so important. 
you know, because you can be fit and healthy, and he was, and he looked fit and healthy on the outside, and he would go for a run every morning, but then you can drop dead of a heart attack. And that's an extreme way to learn, right? But I think those things are pretty eye-opening, certainly to to a child and certainly to to anybody at any point in time. And almost I feel fortunate to have had that experience because had I not had that experience, then maybe I would take for granted what you have. And it's always when you we don't have things, I think that you see, you get the value in kind of being a bit more creative. So, yeah. You said earlier that when you were 15 is when you kind of started looking into this a little bit more than so is that kind of the event that, that triggered that? Yeah, I'd say that that was pretty triggering. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and whether I knew it at the time or not, whether I knew that that was the way in which I was coping, but certainly looking back on it, it's a pretty good strategy. And it's one that served me from that point onwards. So, and I'm sure everybody would have a different story as to how they, how they cope with things. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Obviously, it sounds like now what I've took from you today is there's a mm. lot of like intuition, a lot of research, a lot of like honouring what you feel like you need to kind of in various, you know, seasons and conditions. So if you could go back and kind of have a chat with like 15 year old self, 20 year old mm. self, uh, what are those main lessons that you would kind of kind of try and say to her? So it's an interesting question, but I never I never look back. I, I prefer to look forward. And I think you, there is value in looking back. And it's certainly what Karen was talking about. And, in, you know, when you were talking about what is the internal dialogue what are the beliefs that are preventing you from moving forward so important to go back to address those to enable to create your future but I have done a lot of work on that personally and so now I I look forward but I think the the belief system that I hold on to and that I choose not to let go of is the fact that the worst case scenarios the things that you are probably the most painful are where you find the most growth absolutely yeah and it's funny actually because I think you were talking a little bit about personal development and growth as well I think we're probably all yeah. in a place where we, we you know we, we value personal development and growth but it, it does seem to me that the the difficult challenges that people have had in their life are the times that actually are the turning points or mm. the reasons why perhaps they are the way they are or the reasons why they make the changes that they make, you know, um, and they're valuable. You know, those times that are very difficult are usually the most valuable at times yeah. in terms of being able to grow as a, an individual. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a really brilliant, brilliant message to kind of wrap that up. So yeah, thank you for sharing that, that answer. You're welcome. Where can people find out more about you, Karen, if they're interested in becoming a client or wanting to see your content <laughs> or yeah, your services and, and other options? Um, yes, yeah, so I've got a website called... Um, thehealthcreator.com um i'm often on instagram uh, which is also the health creator and um yeah i run a um a kind of 30-day hormone harmony challenge which teaches you how the, the the foundations of how to harmonize your hormones so if you look on my website you can find out more details there amazing and is there anything from what we went through today that you feel like you just want to add something to anything you feel like we missed or you just want to finish up on in terms of the kind of topics we went over oh god that's a question there's loads. Um, <laughs> In that you're case. such a fountain of knowledge. <laughs> Episode two. It's coming next week. Um, no, I, you know, I think it was, it's been a really, it's been a really eye-opening. I, I think what I want, also wanted to mention is, Leo, I'm really impressed, actually, that you as a male <laughs> have, mm. are taking We're such an We're definitely editing this part out, but no, thank no, you. But no, I've, we've seen this before. So, actually, there is, you've got some real fabulous knowledge around, you know, 
women's health and blood tests. And it is very impressive, actually, as a male working in um, an industry uh, where females need help. But you were talking also about men needing to be advocates for women's health as well. So it's it's good to see you in that space. Um, Thank you. And I, I appreciate was, that. I was very intrigued to come today to see for myself, you know, what you're about. So I'm. it's, very, <laughs> it's good. It was good to see. Um, but, yeah, I think, what else do I want to say? I just, I, I guess... Um, there's so much. I don't even know. I don't know. I'm just going to... I can't think of anything. I, I can't think of anything that's going to tie things up. I feel like I'm a rabbit in a headlight. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, the one thing that I wanted to say is around, you know, when you think about individual health is how important the people around you are. Mm. Like, you know, we talked about being a mom. I talked about being in business. But at the end of the day, I'm a parent. And I can't do what I do without the support of my partner. And I just think it's so wonderful now that, you know, women are getting more access to opportunities, that there are men in this world, like you say, that are taking an active interest, not in only kind of female health, but also in playing a different role. Yes. You know, pandemic was actually eye-opening in terms of seeing, it was wonderful to see way more dads on the playground doing school pickup, the benefits that that gave them and the, the relationships that they've managed to create with their children. Um, and I think this will set us in good, you know, stead for the future. Mm. Albeit, as we're transitioning out of that, it's about how do we support each other mm. coming back to the workplace. Um, and that, that support network, whether you're male or female, is always important to your mm. health goals. I mean, one thing I, I think I've, I've said this to, mm. to Fran before, but one thing I think, um, and I'm going to use you as an example. So I, I do find it fascinating that you do manage to fit in quite a lot because sometimes I'll be speaking to Fran and she'll be on the phone, walking the dog, doing something else. So really multitasking. And mm. I think, you know, you need to recognise and observe how effectively and efficiently you use your time. So, you know, you fob it off and say, oh, it's nothing. I've got a lot of support. But actually, mm. the way in which you organise your thinking actually is quite special um, and if you could bottle that um, and sell it, you'd make a lot of money. Oh, so thank you, Karen. I think we all have ways in which we organise our thinking, and I think you need to recognise that um, there's some the way in which you're formulating your thinking is is quite special because you do get a lot in. Um, I'm not a mum, and I can't do half the things you do. <laughs> <laughs> is it, I, I, you know, I really take that as a as a strong compliment. It's glass half full for me. It's like, do you see the glass half empty? Do you see the glass half full? And I would be lying if there aren't days where I see that glass as so empty, it's got no bottom, right? But it, back to your mindset, it can change your perspective. It, like just waking up and telling myself it's going to be a good day today, even if one good conversation happens, it's going to be a good day today. It doesn't always happen, but, you know, it does, the energy that you put out there then affects the people around you and if I walk into the room and I'm feeling grumpy and moody, then more than likely the people around me are going to be grumpy and moody. If I walk in there like full of energy, they'll either be like, oh, for God's sake, how she got so much energy? Or they'll embrace that or they'll or bring, bring everybody up. And, and that's how that's how I like to be. Yeah, I think I, I, I guess maybe one thing I want to say in terms mm. of mindset is that it, 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 you know, it takes time to develop 
skills and characteristics mm. um, and nothing set in stone. So we can become anyone and anything we want. And it does take work, but it is possible. And I think just listening to that, you know, um, you know, characteristics take time to develop. You know, we don't we're not born with this being this this wonderful human being. You know, if you're fortunate enough to be born into a family that can help you develop those characteristics, mm. that helps. But, you know, even if you're not, you can still build and develop those characteristics. So, you know, you can we can all be to an extent what we want to be, um, but just recognize that the work has to be put in. As yeah, well. yeah. Couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, maybe just to caveat what I say about optimism is that you do need to find an outlay, right? I'm not saying don't express your emotions. I'm not saying don't feel sad. I'm not saying don't cry, don't scream. It's what's the best output for you. And recently I um, was introduced through the University of Cambridge to a business mentor, somebody that I speak to once a month that's worth every penny, like somebody that listens, interprets in the most intuitive way what I'm saying and then repeats what I say back mm. and says, well, you, do you really feel like that? Mm. And I do think that if everybody could have therapy, this world would be in a much better place. Um, but of course, it's expensive. So maybe if you can find somebody that you can talk to um, that yeah. will listen, that is, that's important too. Mm. And to see you as well. To yeah. Yeah, I love that. Really important notes to finish on. I had therapy for quite a long time, still attract to him once every few months. Mm, so important. Yeah, super yeah. important. So no, I absolutely yeah. love that. Thank you both so much for being here today and sharing Thanks, all of that. that was, um, Thanks for thank bringing you. us together. This is great. Yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah, well, don't thank me for that. It. That was all you. So <laughs> thank you. If you've enjoyed today's episode, it would be amazing if you could do us a massive favour and leave us a review and even if possible, a comment. The reason why this is so useful for us is it allows us to know which type of content and which guests are best going to be relevant for you and your goals so that we can continue to make the podcast even better for you in the future. Thank you so much so far for all of your support on the Women's Wellness Show.